Hi, this is Eking Reyes, and you're on The Inspiring Leader. It's a podcast where we talk about things and stuff about life, love, and learning. On today's episode, we are joined by one of the country's most dedicated social reform advocates. She's a longtime city councillor from Batanga City and is now the Deputy Executive Director of the Philippine Commission on Women. To all the listeners, please welcome Ms. Christine Balmes. Christine, thank you for joining the podcast. Yeah, good morning. Thank you also for giving me the opportunity to be here today. You started quite young in public service. What were the challenges you encountered starting out as a young politician in Batanga City? Oh, well, I started really young at the age of 21 when I ran for Barangay Councillor in Batanga City. And then I moved to be to run for city council a year after. The challenge is actually really, it is difficult being a young, first as a young woman uh, to enter the world of politics. But it is also an advantage to be young and to be a woman at the same time. One of the challenges, though, is that I am not really used to campaigning or going to the grounds since I I just came out of college and my background is really not public service at that time. Uh, But then I can say that I'm privileged that at a young age, I have... God has made me realize my calling. I can say it as a calling. Public service for me is a calling. It is not a job. It is not a task. It is something that for some reason, people tend to see you as someone who can help them. So for me, being in government at a very young age and being a politician at that is an honor and a privilege. What were the things you learned from a leadership standpoint as an elected government official? Being in government is a public service. And ever since I was elected into office in 1997 and 1998, and then again in 2013, I have not uh, thought of myself as a leader. Rather, I see myself as an example or someone to guide the people on what they should see as a person who is supposed to be leading the government and leading the people. Leadership doesn't really enter my mind that much. I don't take it seriously. I lead by example. I do what I know is right. I do what I am supposed to do and what is expected of me to do. But I don't really, I'm not that kind of person that has this leadership plan that this is our goal and this is uh, how we're going to do it. No, Since politics in the Philippines is very different, I was supposed to be elected as a legislator and I am expected to do to write uh, ordinances, uh, propose new policies uh, for the improvement of the city. But then the expectations of our, of my constituents, of our constituents, are very different from what the job description of a legislator is. So it's actually a balancing act on trying to do what you are supposed to do and actually um, trying to be of service in a way that is expected of you. What were the adjustments you made 
transitioning from local government service into a national position as part of the Philippine Commission on Women. The adjustment is really huge, actually. Being in the local government, you are really uh, working on the ground. You talk with ordinary people. You talk with anyone you can meet. You have to be always with a smile. You have you really don't have to study anything except that you have to learn how to deal with everybody. Still trying to look as calm as you are and as uh, accommodating as you are. But then when I transferred to the uh, national government, I have to study all the policies that are related to the organization. And my advocacies, though I have strong advocacies on environment, I have to really shift it to gender equality and women's empowerment and not just shift it but live it really internalize it because the role now requires me to not just represent the agency in the local level but also in the international level like in ASEAN, APEC and United Nations. So now I have to study again over and over again because I just realized because when I was offered a job in government in the national government, uh, they made me choose what agency I want to get, go into. I chose an agency that I think that I have an advocacy on. I, I just don't want position that will just make me not uh, have any impact on the people of our nation. So um, I chose the Philippine Commission on Women because I believe I can contribute to the advancement of gender equality and women empowerment. But then when I got in, I didn't realize that it was such a hard work that I have to study all the time and that uh, women's issues are not just violence against women, not just abuse, rape, and all that. There are issues like related to disaster risk reduction, issues related to the economy, issues related to women, peace and security and all that. And you have to learn all of it instantly. I, my learning curve is about two days because when I got in the agency, they made me go to Neva Isia after two days to attend women economic empowerment meetings. So I had to study in just two days. So it really, the adjustment really is very hard, but I didn't have the luxury of studying it slowly. No, I have to learn it every day as I go along. And luckily, I think I am doing quite well. But uh, this COVID thing is not really uh, working out for me because the meetings now are like three times more than it was before. In 2011, you joined Twitter with your first tweet being a picture of your own newly sewn bag. Would you consider sewing as a hidden talent? What are the things outside of public service that you are passionate about? I actually enrolled at the Fashion Institute of Technology at that time. I really wanted to learn how to make bags. Well, I thought I, I can have a career in that. But then for some reason, I ended up meeting old friends in government and I ended up running again in 2013. But when I'm not working, which is rarely <laughs> happening at the moment, uh, yeah, I do sew. I like sewing. I like crocheting. And I actually love writing. I used to write for a local newspaper 
and I used to help out some friends who writes for magazines and newspapers when they ask for some contributions. I, I used to do that. I, I really like to write, but then I, I have no more time as of the moment. I write speeches, my own speeches, my my boss's speeches. Uh, I still write that. I make presentations, but the, the writing that I used to do, uh, I, I want to get back to that in the future. <laughs> in your opinion, how does the Philippines fare in terms of gender equality compared to our ASEAN neighbors? Well, actually, we are the most advanced in gender equality and women empowerment compared to our ASEAN neighbors. We actually, in the uh, World uh, Gender Gap Index, we were actually in the top 20 now. We are number 16, but we used to be in the top 8, but then it fell 8 places. For some reason. No, actually the reason is that our political participation is quite low uh, for women. Although we have uh, many senators and many representatives in the House of Representatives who are women, apparently they only count the women in the House of Representatives and not that of the Senate. Because it's an equal field, well that's what they said, that all the House of Representatives are the only ones that are being counted. So our uh, partici- women participation in the House of Representatives is quite low, and our local government officials who are women are still low. Aside from that, we are doing fairly well in when it comes to education. Well, in the primary and secondary education, uh, women are excelling. But in the collegiate level, there are more women that are dropping out of school because either they got pregnant or they are getting married. So that is one factor also. That's why our rating has gone down. When it comes to economy, we are actually excelling because we have now a lot of top-level women business persons who are doing pretty well. And they actually are in the decision, doing the decision-making for their businesses and organizations. So in Asia and the Pacific, we are actually doing pretty well. But I don't know if you have read it. It says that in in this de- decade, uh, we won't still be having the gender equality. It is still far from realization. Thank you so much for doing the interview. And before I end the podcast, I would like to request for a few words of encouragement from you for all the listeners out there who aspire to make their own mark in the world? The first thing that a person should realize is that to know what your calling is. And once you know what your calling is, you can do it passionately and you can do it in a way that you impact the lives of others. So for me, finding out why you are here on earth and why God has given you a life is the first thing that should everyone should be doing. And then making the most of it and trying to deliver what God is expecting you to do. I hope everyone can find their happiness, their goals, their calling, so that eventually this world will be a better world to live in for everyone. That's it for today. Let me know what you think. 
send in some questions, and perhaps share this episode with people you know who might be interested to listen. Till the next episode. Cheers! Thank you.